0: Another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I am Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who doesn't know why he's waiting. He's said to be super wise. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here is Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben.
0: Hola. So for this episode, we have a very special guest. She was a part of the Seattle music scene from the late '80s and '90s. She was the front woman of Hammerbox, front woman for Goodness and the Rockfords. She's still doing the whole music thing. She's released a number of solo albums, and she also has her own podcast called "Between You and I." Please welcome to the podcast Carrie Acre. Did Hello. I did I did I say it right? Because I've heard it a couple different ways. <laughs> Almost, it's Acre. Acre. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Don't feel bad. So though. I'm, I'm, all right. I'm 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 sure you, you have had lots of pronunciations oh, yeah. over the years, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> no worries. All right. So, uh, so, so the premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music. And for this episode, we're going to chat with Carrie about uh, her career and also talk about Hammerbox's fantastic 1993 album entitled Numb. But as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, we ask the all-important question. So... Wayne, I'll get you started. What T-shirt are you wearing?
1: I am wearing my uh, Nirvana sunglasses T-shirt, and I even just to get the the feel of nineteen ninety three back, <laughs> I put a long john shirt underneath it.
0: There you go. We're, wearing your uh, wearing your mountain boots to go along with it.
1: No, I I considered putting on some shorts <laughs> and my Chuck Taylors, but it's cold.
0: Right. All right. So how about you, Carrie? What t-shirt are you wearing? I, I, hopefully you, uh, you saw my uh, episode oh, notes yeah. and prepped a little bit. I okay. did. I,
2: too. I'm also double layered because Wayne and I live in the same area. And um, I'm wearing my Swerve Driver t-shirt. Um, and it's nice. their t-shirt okay. where they have all the pedals and stuff
0: on it. So there's song names on it. Excellent. So I think we are all doing our Seattle <laughs> thing. So I'm wearing my Soundgarden Tour shirt from the ill-fated 2017 tour. I've uh, been listening to a lot of Seattle music this last week, prepping for this conversation and also another episode that we're, we're doing. So it's made me a little nostalgic for mm-hmm. Chris Cornell a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, rest in power, Chris. All right. So when I asked you to come on the podcast, I had told you that Hammerbox's Numb was on heavy rotation for me in 93, 94. So I'm super excited that we get to revisit that album with Someone who was a part of making that, um, and and Wayne just had the opportunity to see you performing a few songs with the Posies Oh at their yeah, Poma nice. Show. So um, so before we dive into any of the album analysis, I always like to provide a little bio info, and and since I don't have, uh, I don't want to rely only on the old internet for background info for this album so we get to hear it directly from you but let's 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 first talk about you so where are you originally from where's your where's your stomping ground?
2: so i grew up in the tri-cities which is eastern washington state for those who don't know in kennewick um and then graduated in 85 and bolted to seattle <laughs> and uh uh was going to the UW for a while and i actually had I had been, had a real um, affinity to French. This is a weird sidetrack, but it leads me to bands. Um, And so I'd gone over to France to study and um, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, just having to learn a language. And I got a job there and um, was, I needed to be forced to learn it. So everybody had to leave and only French speakers were around. So I did that when I got back, I was like, well, that was crazy hard to do, but I did it. What else is there? that I want to do that I should try. And I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to be in a band. Cause I'd always, um, sung. I was, I, in, but in the tri cities, you know, there wasn't, there weren't like pop bands, things like that. There was hardcore. Like my brother, Eric Ockrey was in, uh, like diddly squat with Nate Mendel who's now in the Foo Fighters. And like, there was a hardcore punk scene, but that wasn't my, you know, that wasn't my style. And there weren't really other bands like that. And it kind of didn't cross my mind, I guess. Cause it wasn't, available. And so when I got to Seattle, it was, you know, you could see that there was a scene, um, The Rocket, which was a music periodical, was alive and well. KCMU was, you know, playing lots of music and just, I had kind of grown up on new wave. Like I loved that. My sister, Kaya, who is older than me, worked as a DJ at Wazoo. Okay. And so we'd constantly be feeding each other, you know, I'll date myself, feeding each other cassettes. Hello. <laughs> so
0: we're, we're right there um, with you. Right there. with right? you. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey, it was
2: cool. I loved it. Cause it would be like this, you know, discovery package. She would send me, um, compilation tapes of the mixed music. Mixtapes. Tapes. Oh yeah. my God. I love mixtapes yeah. that we own stuff. I'd never heard of or stuff from England and, and, uh, you know, I grew up, even though the Tri-Cities is very, I guess we call it very butt rock, you know, I grew up on a healthy dose of like <laughs> ACDC, Def Leppard, Scorpions, Van Halen, <laughs> right. um, props to all those bands. But I was really <laughs> a new baby, so we would make these tapes and discover like Oingo Boingo and Susie and the Banshees and any hootie. Um, and so Seattle just had a, you could see that there was a scene, so it wasn't like a giant leap, or at least there was, so, in my mind, some place to start. And so... Uh, I was back in school, but I kind of told myself, like, oh, I want to join a band. All right, where do I start? And so I looked in the back of the Rocket, the, the want ads, you know, for, like, musicians. And there was always a ton of those. And the first ad I answered was Dave and James's ad for bandmates, including a singer. And I responded to them because their list of, like, influences were people that I liked, including Annie Lennox. And so, and I've always, I've noted later that I was like, that's, that's pretty open to one, not list just rock bands, but like REM or Husker Du and, um, and then a female as well. And so it, it, I never thought about it, but later I thought about it. I was like, oh wow, just to be so open to a female singer was a kudos to them, very open-minded. So I called them and um, this is very me to not be prepared nor desire to be prepared (laughs) They they were like, So what do you sound like? And this is like the first time anybody had ever asked me, you know, what do you sound like or what do <laughs> you like? And so I, I was like, Well, I I sound kind of like Annie Lennox or could like I grew up on choir. Right. And singing to re- and singing to records. And um anywhere from like Barbara Streisand to Annie Lennox to Chrissy Hines, okay. I did a lot of that, a lot of singing along um and so they kept asking me like, well, do you have a tape? Can we, can you send us a tape? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't have that. I was like, and I'm, nor am I about to. And uh, cause I was like, oh God, how do you do that? Um, and so I finally convinced them. I'm like, you're just going to have to let me come over <laughs> and sing. And so I did, I got on a bus to Greenwood, which was no man's <laughs> land at the time um, to the house that they were renting. And uh, I always say to people, I'm like, how, I, now that I have a kid, I was like, I would never let my kid do that. Just a girl who's going to travel to two dudes house and, like, and <laughs> go to, go to their basement and like, you know, like practice music. It's the start
1: of a horror movie. It is right. right?
2: Like, but that, that never <laughs> crossed my mind. I never, I never, I was, that just, I was never afraid. I didn't even think about that. And so I got there. We had a conversation and they, they actually had this uh, upstairs. They had a small room where they had their drums and bass rig set up and they were like, okay, we've been kind of writing some songs. Like, we'll start playing it and you go. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I've never been in a band, ever. I've never stood okay. in front of a microphone like that. I was just like, oh. Um, But I'm really good with if you shove me into something, I tend to do something. You know what right. I mean? So it was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and they started playing and I.
1: That's called clutch.
0: Yeah.
2: Is that what it's called? Yeah. I kind of like it. <laughs>
0: So, 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 choir was the gateway drug to rock mm-hmm. music then. Okay. So yeah. that makes, that makes me a little nervous because my, my daughter's in choir. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, out. and you could give a little, little shout out to uh, the, the choir director. So he just won a Grammy Ooh. for, for um, best musical, you know, educator of the year. Wow. So shout out to, uh, yeah, shout out to Dr. Redding. So. Um, nice job yeah so really really cool um you know my my daughter has thought about quitting choir before and then i mean she's she's definitely in yeah um you know they're going to italy this year to to, for yeah for for performance i mean it's it's pretty hardcore and um i'm hoping that she doesn't go the the rock (laughs) route with it because uh well, we'll, we'll talk about the horror stories. I'm sure there are some, yes. uh, yeah, it yeah. all depends on so,
2: who and how you are, you know, like, cause I will say this about, and I don't know how your daughter is, but I had teachers who were enjoyably intense. Like I liked that. I liked that. Um, for some reason that really clicked for me. I had a junior high coach who, uh, or coach, I should say like teacher who just, um, was really into like competitions and c- for some reason that really clicked for me. And I got really excited. Like I liked, um, being good at something. Um, but, but also just her faith in me and just her, like the possibilities, right? If you here's some things you could do with this and here's the um, magic of what you could do with your voice and how to do that well. And that really clicked for me. Um, and someone just recently asked me, yeah. about my background like have you had lessons and and I said yeah I've had lessons but I gotta say that teacher Miss Wooldridge I don't know where she is um really sparked something in me about being interested in vocals and being good at them or learning what you can do with those like I've I've never gone down the like I must sing proper and all of that but th- I sing like I'm interested in singing like a guitar player is yeah. interested in how- playing guitar like I'm interested in vocals like that. <laughs> so, that makes sense.
0: so that, so that first audition, did they audition any other singers besides you, or did you did you nail it on the first try?
2: <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if they tried anybody else. I should ask Dave. Um, I knew I nailed something. I at least I knew I was like, well, I know I, that didn't suck. It's just up to right. what they want. You know, do they want a guy? Do they want a girl? I don't. I don't know what they're. I knew then that I was like, well, they're going to be shaping like what they want to sound like. So they either like what I did or they didn't. Um, but I, I felt confident if I remember I was like, Oh no, that was good. They like me because yeah. it's not, you don't, I don't think you also run into people who sing well. Like I knew I walked in and they were like, Oh shit, she, she could sing. Like, you know, like, Oh,
0: okay. And this was what year? This was 89. So you were like, uh, nine at the time. Cause we don't want to For ever, real. we don't That's want to right. ever disclose what our ages really are. Right.
2: <laughs> i don't know i kind of don't mind i kind of like relish in the fact like yeah that's right yeah, you're in the right <laughs>
0: you're right so let so let's talk about the scene because i've heard i've heard people talk about the various little subgroups that mm-hmm. were in the you know seattle and as much as i like you know the the sound garden scene mm-hmm. i mean the nirvana group was a little different from the sound garden yeah. scene um you know wayne and i well I, i'm a big posies fan i think wayne uh you know i've he, He's kind of become a Posey's yeah, fan. Stockholm Syndrome. I've I've shoved I've shoved it down his throat for years. And 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 also, you know, I really dug the Young Fresh Fellows. That was one of my bands, oh, yeah. you, you know, back in back in high school. And I pretty much tried to follow everything that Scott McCoy has done. I mean, You know what? So, what was your scene like? Who was part of your your circle of friends?
2: So, our circle was really us, the Gits, Coffin Break, Seven Year Bitch, um, Alcohol, Funny Car. Uh, Those were actually our pack of friends um, that we all hung out with as well. I was trying to think if there was other bands, Maxi Bad. um, Just that, at least that circle all hung out together.
0: And that was that because of the female thing.
2: No, it well, you know, I, I will say, and oddly enough, I wasn't at the center of that. I didn't really hang out with anybody. Probably my boyfriend is who I hung out with. You know what I mean? Like I would yeah. go out with everyone, but the pack of people who hung out together would probably be more James Harris and Dave. Um I and I knew everybody else and I really liked them, but I've never I didn't ever have like a girl pack that I hung out with ever. Right. I don't think I ever have I mean I've had friends who were girls, but I funny enough was very lonerish as well um because i also knew like i'd roomed with nils bernstein you know and had taken over like charles pearson's loft and so i knew all the kind of sub pop people um because i'd roomed yeah. with them um but not like i knew mud honey or i mean you end up because it was such a small town you end up kind of knowing everybody um but those guys, I mean, it's say between Mon-Honey, sound Soundgarden, Mother Love Bone, all that, they were actually Seattle kids. Like they grew up in Seattle. Um, but ours, our group, was really yeah. a ton of transplants. Like I'm trying to think of anybody in our circle that didn't like move from somewhere and come to Seattle.
0: Yes, because like Mia was from what, like Wisconsin or something.
2: Yeah, they all came from like I can. They all went to college together. From Ohio, Ohio or something. Yeah. No, Ohio. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And then
2: Alcohol Funny Car, they all moved from Cleveland. Um, and then even Best Kissers all came up from, like, Phoenix.
0: And where where, uh, where was Seven Year Bitch from? Because they weren't originally They were
2: from all over. Like, yeah. Elizabeth, I think, had lived all over the world. I mean, she had lived in France for a while. I can't remember where she- Roisin ended up being from somewhere. Stephanie, I don't know that Stephanie had been local. That's a good question. I don't know where- um, I don't know where they were all from. But I don't, it yeah. wasn't from Seattle.
0: I'm pretty sure. And, and most of them have kind of stuck around there though, haven't they?
2: None of those girls have. No, I think no? they all live, okay. no, none of them. No, I think, uh, I think Elizabeth lives in California. A bunch of them live in California. Roshi, I don't know where she lives right now. Um, Valerie, okay. I think, lives in Oregon or, yeah, mo- a lot of people have moved. Even Dave, like from Hammerbox, he lives in Portland. Harris lives in Austin.
0: Okay. So so what what kept you in the area? So we we talked offline before we started recording that you're in Tacoma. So Wayne and I both mm-hmm. grew up in Tacoma. So I know. So what what part of Tacoma? So I'm on Hilltop. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. I think since you guys have lived through Hilltop, oh, I bet that was going to get a, like a whoa. <laughs> well, well Every time I tell people that I graduated from Washington Uh high school, they always go, wow. Oh yeah. And and it's like, it's like, look, we, you know, we survived. We're, we're, we're okay. Well,
2: I, and I will, I'll give you my answer, but I would love to pick your brains too about like how you feel like Tacoma shaped you. I mean, times are different, but still, there's something about Tacoma now. Like I have a 10 year old and he's going to, you know, grow up and graduate from here. And so we, I mean, so I'll go back to your question though. Um, I, you know, funny enough, I never thought I'd stay in Seattle. I never, I thought it was a transitory moment. Um, I did leave in 2011 and was, was super ready and super burnout, but life was also vastly different by 2011. I was married. I had a kid, I was working, you know, I wasn't on a label and I was feeling much more, uh, heavy about my past. Like I, it's kind of midlife, you know, so I felt like I couldn't be new and that was really bothering me. And so, um, I got an offer to go work for target.com. And so we moved to Minneapolis. Um, and then the reason we came back was, uh, my mother passed away. And so we, I don't know, since you live in Florida, thank you. Since you live in Florida, like we, we hit the three-year mark and it was one of those moments where you go, are we staying? Are we going back? Yeah because I loved Minneapolis. I still like miss it uh, big time. It's a great place to raise kids. And um, there's, it's kind of a lot like Portland. Um, but since my mom had passed, it was a, uh, we didn't have any family there, like proper family. And we just thought, are we going to grow up our son away from everybody? And I also was like, you know, I'm 40 something. Some people know who I am here, but I have a huge network for art. And I don't want to relinquish that. Like I'd like to do some art. It's much easier to do it in a place where you've already established yourself than start over. So um, those were kind of big reasons. So heavy reasons, big, heavy.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, us, us creative types, we always, yeah, we always need to have that circle of friends to, to go back to. And, and um, you know, part of the reason why I started this this podcast was I needed, I needed some extra creative juices yeah, uh, flowing. So yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally get that. Um, so let's go, let's go back to you. You, you, mentioned Hammerbox, you mentioned goodness. Hammerbox seemed really short lived. I mean, yeah. that was what two albums. Yeah. So you had, so you had a longer tenure with goodness uh, if I'm, if I'm doing the math correctly. So you, you put out three albums over, a bit longer time frame no actually
2: i feel like there's everyone says there's like the seven year itch i think there's the five-year breakup like <laughs> so hammerbox okay. broke up like i think we're together five years and then um it just internally started to implode and it was intense because we had a two record guarantee with uh a records and we had delivered one and we were guaranteed to get to make a second one but by that time james had left and i it was I don't think I was mature enough to just figure out how to, start, and it was heavy. And so I left and, and there was such, there was a massive hoopla around that. People were so mad, not necessarily people in the band because the people in the band kind of saw, we were all seeing something coming, but boy, lawyers and everybody else were, um, super unhappy with me. And so,
0: and told me so. (laughs) So so it wasn't necessarily that you got dropped by the label. It was like, we're, we're done. I just left. Yeah.
2: It was miserable. And it was one, I'm a very pragmatic kind of logical person. And so what what it seemed like to me was things were really hard and miserable and we weren't solving it internally. And I just thought, this is awful. I don't know that I can sustain it. It's getting darker and darker and it's not good for me. And so when I think lawyers were like, you're ruining everyone's lives. I was like, well, what about my life? Yeah. Like, it was one of those moments where I think has happened to a lot of rock people where you go, <laughs> oh, no one cares. People care about the product and making money. No one's really interested in how are you doing? And I was like, I'm doing terribly, like it's, it's, it's not good. And no one seems to care. Like, you know, just.
0: so. Yeah. And, and A&M seem like a, a, a different label for in your face grunge type music. So I, you know, we, we just did, for instance, we just did um, an episode on (laughs) Mm -hmm. the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. We talked about a a couple of the A&M artists, you know, a Joe Jackson and Susan Vega and, who, who else was on the A and M label that we talked about?
1: Jesse Johnson.
0: Jesse Johnson. I mean, so yeah. so not exactly not exactly the 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 grunge type of, uh, and they probably I have to assume that they probably didn't know how to market you all.
2: Oh no, neither did they know. I think initially what to do with Soundgarden. You
0: know what right. I mean. When Black Hole
2: Sun came out. I think that was a Hallelujah moment because because they did i don't think any of those labels knew what to do with grunge they all just knew it was exploding because of nirvana and they wanted a piece of it
0: yeah yeah
2: but yeah no nobody knows what you know and the thing that would happen to me is that i have a pretty straightforward it could be a very straightforward vocal and so they'd be like well okay there's a spam we don't know what to do but we could do something with her you know um because that's what they do they know how to sell pop i mean when goodness was getting courted yeah arista was one of the labels looking at us and i think clive davis said because they're you know they are who like whitney houston's on that like it's just all divas and i think clive davis came to a show somebody told me and said like Mm -hmm. too bad about the like too bad about the band like that girl can really sing like too bad she's not available just her you know what i mean um and so because and that's what they knew how to sell right um, but grunge, like you know, sad, angry, whatever. I don't. I don't think they knew how to, and I don't think radio knew how to break that for the general audience either. Like we got told that really, who buys most of the records is middle America, and middle America doesn't sit around examining music like music lovers do they want to tap their toe to it and slow dance to it at their prom you know like that's that's who that's what was told us like that's who's buying really the bulk millions of records or people who just need a little soundtrack to their lives and they're not deep thinking it and but all that music was so uh heavy you know and much deeper and it wasn't like make out music too. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> angrier me, <I> <laughs> than that.
1: No, not at all. So
2: I don't know. It was just really it was interesting just hearing from the other side too of you know what they felt like they could do, but they had to try something, right? It was exploding. So they had to do something. So,
0: so we go from hammerbox to goodness. Um
2: mm-hmm.
0: I know Wayne, Wayne, you're more of a goodness fan than you are a hammerbox fan.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, all week I was listening to Numb, and then I just couldn't help it. Uh, I'd go on YouTube, and I, I ended up watching <laughs> like the entire 1998 Pain in the Grass" set from Goodness. Started watching all the videos. Oh,
3: that's yeah. awesome!
1: It was. Uh, I'm, I'm a Goodness guy for sure. In fact, the songs that I I, I focused on on Numb were all all have some like foreshadowing of Goodness in them.
2: Yeah, well, and Goodness was one a band that I. Like I started, right? So, and I had, I had um, an agenda for myself that I didn't at the time feel like I was getting out of Hammerbox. Like in Hammerbox, I wrote lyrics and made up vocal melodies, but I didn't write music. Um, I didn't write of the music. I didn't know how. And so part of my perception of the departure was, and probably quick reaction was not feeling like the guys were going to be patient enough with me to let me learn, and so I just thought, well, I, I'm going to get stuck and I don't want that. So goodness was specifically um, put together so that I could start writing. Um, and, and then I met, you know, Danny and Danny and I wrote most of all the goodness stuff. And so I found a great partner, you know, so it was, I, and, and it was also um, due to our styles, a little more like guitar pop driven as well. And with more room for me to sing, or actually try different ways of singing. Like the first Goodness record is very. It, uh, we, we John Goodmanson and I worked on me not singing so much. <laughs> <laughs> let's try. Let's do the not singing thing. You know, like <laughs> talks. We call it talk sing, talk sing. You right. know, like.
1: Well, that makes total sense because the the one of the the differences that I see in Goodness and Hammerbox is like your vocals are very aggressive oh, like yeah. i wouldn't say not i don't mean it in a bad way but like there's yeah <laughs> there's they're <just> aggressive <laughs> and goodness you still have the same you have the same voice which i think is very unique and but there's a uh, there's an easiness plus i think it felt like goodness had a more cohesive sound mm-hmm. like everybody was on the same page with the same kind of goals in mind where hammerbox at at some points it seems like dave grohl and kurt yeah. cobain are actually in the band. I mean, sometimes it's like, I don't know if they want to be black Sabbath or black flag. Whereas goodness seemed the whole way through there was, a, there was, like I say, you still had the passion in your voice, but there was that, that aggression was gone. It was almost like you're much more comfortable doing what you're doing. And the entire band seemed to be, everybody seemed to yeah. be on the same page. Yeah, save,
0: save that thought. Cause I think there's, there's at least one song that I totally agree <laughs> with you on that Wayne, that there, there seems to be some, some, dueling um, uh competition going on there between uh between some vocalists. So, well well. Oh, I'm And sure. I have to ask
1: the question because I I li- yeah. I did literally watch the entire 1998 Pain in the Grass set and I got to know if you guys ever finished learning how to play Breakdown by Tom Petty <laughs> and the Heartbreak.
2: Oh, I'm sure Danny and those guys know it. I have no doubt about that. I just and I'm sure maybe I'm rolling my eyes in that thing. I was just like, oh for God's sake. Like- <laughs> the guys would always Danny or Garth, right, would riff on the same thing, like even in practice, because their hands are always kind of moving. And it would just be the same sort of like oh okay. And I, I, one they even made up that was like bump bump and I don't know like da da da
0: da da and just like, okay, when are you done yet? Like <laughs> But that's just and and you and you still do music with Danny, right? Yeah, we're talking about Danny Nuke Nukem, the, the the lead guitarist. Of mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, like he is putting out his third solo record, so he finally started doing solo work, and he's just a, he's just right. he's doing great. And him and I will play shows together, and so we'll end up playing sometimes goodness stuff or things that we wrote together. Um, but you're, you know, back to the hammerbox thing. You're right. Like I think even Harris and I <laughs> joke. Recently, I just did a retrospective show in Seattle that where we played some Hammerbox music and goodness, and some Rockfords, and even Harris and I were laughing he like, "Yeah, oh yeah, wow. come on now, one more part." Like, why? You know, like there's already ten different like shifts in a song. Like, oh, hey, let's just add one more. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, we we haven't even touched on the Rockford, oh, yeah. so. Was there just one album with Rock? We
2: did a record and an EP, and I don't know. Okay. Um, I know the, like the record's not on like Spotify and all that, and I think we've reached out to Mike a couple times. We have to get a little more organized about that. Um, and the EP, I don't. You might have to really look for that EP.
0: You might have to go on AB. But it's
2: some yeah. of my favorite stuff is on
0: that there, EP. Yeah, there's there's actually there is a live album. For the Rockford's yeah. on Spotify. I did listen yeah. to to that because I wasn't at all familiar with the Rockford's at all. Um, by the way, so young, so good. Oh yeah, that is that. Oh, great, great song. Um, I love the start of that song. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm I was going going back to you know Wayne knowing goodness and me not. So I I moved from the Seattle Tacoma area at the end of 94 to go to school. So I was in Utah for, for uh, a number of years. So I, I'm a little bit of a loss as it relates to the Seattle music in the late Mm -hmm. nineties. You know, I would go to the record stores in Utah where I lived at the time thinking that there was going to be another Hammerbox album (laughs) and never, and never finding it. (laughs) And I had no, and I had no idea about, you know, your involvement in goodness or Rockford's. Um, so I know you probably don't want to live in the world of what ifs, but what if Hammerbox or Goodness would have been around during today's time with the age of internet and being able to, you know, tell people where you're going to be and how you can you get a copy of their your you know your latest EP. Um, well, you
2: know, someone recently just said to me, like even even Goodness was just missed its timing, right? Like, like, like ahead of their time, even or Hammerbox, like, ahead of your time, like, had it had we been a band five years later, you know what I mean? Like, there was there was a niche, right? But like, girl led, I think when Jagged Pill came out, Alanis Morissette, I, think I was that a was goodness,
0: game changer. I think that, that, was that was the game changer, yeah, right? Yeah. And
2: I remember being in goodness going, Oh, crap, you know, like, somebody's already doing it. Like, you know, but but realizing there weren't that many women other than like what Melissa Ether, you know, who was the hard.
0: So I'm glad you're bringing that up. Similar vocals, I would right? Say.
1: I would say, yeah, I, I wrote that in, yeah. in my notes on a couple of songs. You you're, you're ahead of her. There's, I, I'd have to oh. f- f- shuffle a bunch of papers, right. but there's one in here that says uh, Atlantis Morissette, wish she ought to know. Cause I mean, you, you're, you got, right. you're angry yeah. at a guy and. And and the girl yeah. and this this could get ugly here in a second. Like I say, you were you were ahead of her. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So it's always hard to kind of hear and be like, uh oh, and that's going to take off. Like someone's. I mean, I don't like to think um, uh, that there isn't enough room for everybody. But I remember thinking oh, we we may have missed the boat. Like someone is she's now the poster child for this.
0: And yeah, let me take you down a, a you know memory lane here so i i looked up the top 25 k-rock songs of 1993 Mm -hmm. i wanted to to see what k-rock had to say because that 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 was your that was your niche was the 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 k-rock niche so the first number one song of 93 stone temple pilots plush Mm -hmm. followed by radiohead creep i'm not going to go through the entire 25 Mm -hmm. there are three songs in the top 25 that are female fronted yeah so you've got you've got Cranberries Linger at seven. You've got the Breeders, which is probably, that's would be my comparison, would be Breeders, right. Cannonball, to, you know, your 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 music with Hammerbox. And then number twenty four is four non blonde oh, with God. what's up, which not you can't you can't compare four non blondes to hammerbox. I mean, that's just oh. not 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 an accurate uh not Can accurate. Can I tell you a story though?
2: Like Kudos to Linda Perry. She's yeah. amazing, right? Like, I don't, not to her talent, but I remember Hammerbox playing a show in Utah in Salt Lake City opening for Red Cross and being in the girls' bathroom and that song coming on and just being like, oh, my God, I hate this song. I was so, like, oh, for God's <laughs> sakes. You know what I mean? Just being like, oh, enough already. So there's my little nightmare. <laughs> I
0: hated that song. <laughs> yeah. So that's the top 25. Now that year mm-hmm. we also had belly. You also had Julianna Hatfield, but really outside of Kim and Kelly deal. I mean, yeah, there weren't any straight up female no. walkers.
2: They're all like Faye kind of, you know, like, like you said, cranberries or the Sundays or Juliana Hatfield has a really light little girl yeah. voice. And even Tanya Donnelly. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, my history is
0: oh. yeah.
2: Pat Benatar. You know what I mean? Like, i like Matt Benatar, Chrissy Hind. like, but that's also, I mean, that's my, my voice is like that. And that is my style. Like, I feel that's, that's kind of who I am. I'm not very fey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- speaking of that, so I listened to, uh, you know, a few of your solo albums, those seem to be much more introspective, oh, yeah. a, a lot less raucous than, you know, goodness and, in Hammerbox is that, because of maturity did you get the rock out of your system? I mean, what, uh, what do you, what, what can you credit for your solo stuff being a, a, a little, a little different from your, from your roots? Well, so I think
2: those are like private journals, you know, so they are my soothing. Yeah. I think my solo stuff is my therapy, my journals, my soothing myself kind of music, you know, talking to myself. Um, whereas the band stuff, you know, is more of a wall of sound and I'm getting energy off of that. I'm kind of on a ride more. Whereas I think you're totally right. Like the solo stuff is extremely introspective. Like I almost prophetic sometimes yeah. is what I feel like when I'm writing my own stuff. Like, Oh, like, you know, it could be some advice you didn't take in 10 years later. You're like, Oh, well look, you wrote a song telling yourself not to do that. Why didn't you listen? Like,
0: <laughs> right. No, no. Who is heaven about?
2: Um, I always write like some, uh, (laughs) I have several boyfriends who got so lucky to have very beautiful songs written about them. (laughs) (laughs) God bless them. (laughs) Um, uh, at the time I was dating somebody and, and that was just like my love song for him. And, um, and I was always, and I don't regret any of that. I mean, it's, uh, that's all good, but, um, but I've also written some prophetic things, that, um, like, without, unbeknownst to my own mind, that were breakup songs, and uh, I have one that I haven't ever recorded, but I remember playing it for the boyfriend at the time, and I think he was, this a long time ago, he was planning to break up. And I sang him this song that was all about, I think you're going to leave me. And he was like, that was the scariest crap I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know he was going to break, you know, but I had written this song. I I mean, I find songwriting very magical. And so I had written this whole song saying, I think you're going to leave basically and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, and in fact, I was planning to. (laughs) (laughs) And so either that's really cool or scary. I don't know.
0: And then later he found a boiling rabbit on his stuff, yeah. right? Oh. right? <laughs> no,
2: I've never liked that. <laughs> things, I think all things happen for a reason. You know what I mean? And you usually know ahead of time. I mean, you usually yeah. know better. Like, yeah, okay, I can't be too upset about that.
0: Yeah. So uh, sticking with your solo stuff. So how did House at the End of the World mm. come to be? So that was co-written with... Pat D'Ninzio of mm-hmm. Smithereens. It's, it, that's a funky song. That's really cool. What was it like working with that?
2: Um, well, he was he was so amazing. So goodness got to open up for the Smithereens. Um,
0: oh, okay. Yeah,
2: that's how I met him is we did a few dates uh, down the West Coast with them opening up. And Pat, I mean, that guy was a workhorse. He was like, hey, you have a great voice. We should do something. I mean I've never he was Jersey hard worker I mean that guy was he did he just I, I admired that so he was like well why don't you um come, come out to my house and we'll do a writing session and he had another guy that he liked that was a pal of his They wrote and we had a weekend where we wrote a bunch of stuff of which I should uh release at some point just songs we wrote and he really kind of got out of my way too. And was like, well, here's an idea. And then you go do something with that. Um, I think he was such a businessman too, that he was like, we'll do this thing. And we'll call, we called it the VIPs. And, um, we had photos taken. I don't know where those are
0: like headshots
2: taken. I'll have to go look for those. But, um, and we were going to have like this sideband, but we were also kind of purposely thinking a little more electronic, like something different. And so, um, we ended up, we wrote house at the end of the world at his house and then even later i was on tour doing a uh, around the states tour with goodness and he was like hey i want to record that song for the smithereens like greatest hits record so i'm going to fly you into new york nice and we'll record so I, yeah so i got to record that like electric ladies so that was cool. cool um and he had the producer on it i should go look was like a really famous producer, but those <laughs> talk about a lesson, like don't ever drink with Jersey boys. Cause that was like, New York is just not, it's like I Vegas. Like, that. Oh my
1: God. I have been there. Yeah.
2: Right. I I'm just a small girl out with the Jersey, the smithereens all night long. And then we go to the studio and I was oh, like, no. I don't even know how I was seen straight. Like, I'm not a big, I am not like, I'm just not a pot smoker. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, has never worked well for me and somehow I don't know how I got through that evening I don't know how I sang <laughs> like just one of those evenings where I'm like how are words just coming out of my mouth um when I can't really even see straight uh but also really nice guys too like just having like big brothers um but yeah you know, Pat was always super you've got a great voice and we should do something and really supportive and when we were writing he was also booking I don't know if it was the first set of like house tours he started to do. Um, And I just admired like every day he'd be on the computer, like putting this tour together, nonstop working. Um, And, you know, he had a daughter that he took care of and, you know, he was like, there's no room to, I don't have time to not be working. Like I can't. And so I just really respected him a lot for that.
0: Well, we were, we were both saddened by Pat's death. Me I mean too. the smithereens were always kind of this underappreciated band too. I think both of us. Yeah, I mean very all much. Both, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah.
2: and his voice was so cool. Like I like the timber of his voice and
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was sad too. So uh so speaking of underappreciated bands, should we uh should we jump into Hammerbox's <laughs> Numb? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> all right. So we've already so I think we've given enough bio and background info on, on the album. Um so released March of ninety three, which means um like I said, you were what, eleven or twelve mm-hmm. years old at the time. Amazing. So all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh first song on the album, this is Cold. So if you were going for the whole Seattle loud and in your face way to start an album, uh, you succeeded. So, <laughs> um, and I've tried to sing along with this. I can't ever make the drifting away day after day hole in my heart oh. won't go. I can't ever make that sound good. So how in the world did you do that? You know, what's funny is
2: it's hard to sing it is hard to sing it's a lot of breath work
0: yeah it's a lot of
2: non-stop no i remember plenty of live shows going i can't breathe i'm like how am i gonna get through this course like <laughs> it's a very you know just like it's a it's a workout it's a total workout right you know i had mentioned earlier i did a retrospective show and when we first put the set list together we ha- we were going to do it chronological and we were going to put the hammer box stuff first with that song being first and i said we went and did one practice and i was like oh no there's no way I'm starting my voice just cold on Hammerbox stuff. Right. <laughs> like, it was so and that chorus in particular, I was like, when we started to practice it, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. <gasps> just, you gotta breathe, like you gotta go drifting away, breathe, break it and you can't stop. You gotta drift in away, breathe, fade, <laughs> you know, like every right. line you gotta take a huge breath fast from your
0: gut. Yeah. Yeah. Great <laughs> song. Great song. Great way to, to, to start the, start the album. So speaking of whole, so what, what did the Seattle community think about Courtney and her success with those first two whole albums? So since we, since we talked about Alanis, I mean, Alanis really, I think was the game changer, but Courtney, I think got a little bit of that with the, the angry female after Alanis you know, really kind of set the, set the table there.
2: Well, we had that and we had the riot girls, right? So there's bikini kill, Riot Girls. I think Courtney was a den of, you know, like I think she audiences connected her to that. Um, But I don't think she was, I don't think she was like the political center stage. Like some of those other bands were, Um, but she, she was more like the face of that scene. Like Alanis Morissette was pretty mainstream, um yeah canadian pop star um and 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 then there's Courtney Love you know what i mean like just the polar opposite but i think she was more connected to punk rock and riot girl and that whole thing and you know if you think about it like that's how amazing how what a burgeoning moment of time with music because you have so many varieties that are huge you know like things happening between like grunge riot girl like pop music as well you know all of it yeah. exploding like and so i think you know in c i mean i've met courtney a couple times but i do not know her i never did know her right. um she definitely was in seattle and all over the place and it was, just, it was a small town um and so small enough where people hung out and you know and just her whole band and Nirvana and all that and living here. But I mean, there's definitely a large factor of people who had run-ins with her that were difficult. Like I'm, I'm a very pragmatic person, like very, I am, I'm boring as a rock star and you know what I mean? Like as a rock person, whereas I think she was the antithesis of it, right? Like she was an amazing rock star because she is, you know, was crazy, a hot mess, rude in people's faces. She also was like almost sociopathically, like constantly working at it or calling people, you know, there was kind of a nuts level to it that a drive that was, it seemed to me like kind of insane. And I know so many stories just from all the people who knew her, had crazy phone calls from her. And I'm like, I'm like, how, where does she get the energy or the desire to like, just be nuts all the time. And I was like, something's so that's internal. Something's with her. And I just actually yesterday, Met someone who grew up with her, and I mean, like, what was in fourth grade okay. with her, and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, oh, this she's. If Courtney Love wasn't a, a rock star, you would see her, her person, and what's going on with her in a, a different light psychologically. You know what I mean? Um, well, it was all uh,
0: all out there. It I mean, was all out there. Knew, yeah.
2: Well, and yeah, that, that makes about. for amazing rock stars. You know, the drama, the chaos, the crazy. She had. I mean, I think she is crazy smart, like she wanted something, she was smart about what got you there, whether you kind of agree with her, you know, if you feel like that is like insensitive and all those things, which, yeah, Um, but she was not a dummy about what it means and what it takes to become a rock star. I mean, but I also would never, ever want to be her. I mean, just out of kindness, there's nothing funny about, uh, like live through this is it one is an amazing yeah. record i think and you know whether she wrote it or whatever that whole story about whatever i don't care um mm-hmm. it is it is amazing but i i do agree with like you know beware of what you asked for like you made your bed you lay in it right and to have your husband kill themselves mm-hmm. and have a child and all of that stuff i mean i kind of a kudos like i can't believe she's not dead i mean she's strong in my book you know something like a survivor Maybe some people say a cockroach, but you know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, I, so I kind of, there's things I admire about that. And then there's just some some things that like, just my personality can't stand. Like I met her one time, um, Hammerbox was opening up for hole in Athens and we were playing the 40 watt and, um, they came in late and they'd missed sound check and i courtney came in was like you guys don't yell at me you know like don't stop yelling at me we're late and she was just super whiny and then she kind of came to the bar and was standing next to me she was like does anyone have a cigarette like feel sorry for me kind of thing like it was a ploy and i hate that kind of thing right like it just i'm you know i'm born swedish stoic you know whatever (laughs) i'm just like bad work ethic to me is just like gross and so just like oh my god you guys it was just like oh <laughs> like, I'm like oh that's gross like oh come on
0: and i don't think any of the you know the, the we we mentioned seven year bitch we mentioned mia from the gets. i don't think any of you were like that i mean no i mean just from the the, the few things that I've, no. I've seen how close were you to mia
2: I wasn't that close. Like I knew those guys, but again, we were all 23. Yeah. Um, and I, and I gotta say like I knew them, but that also wasn't my style. I feel like I'm very oddly like I'm a little new way baby. Like what I wanted to do was live in Europe and have crazy colored hair. And you know, I'm a Cocteau twins fan, right? Like, so I feel like there's a lot more punk rock in the gals. Like I also didn't wear like cut off jeans and have dreads. Like I, Um, and no, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but like they had a style, (laughs) I think in similar interests and a a connective tissue, um, that wasn't my style. I, I certainly loved them all and I thought they were great, but I just was different than that. Um, and so I knew her, I remember, uh, we played a show in, uh, Alaska together. And I remember I was so excited because I love to talk about singing. Like, again, like nobody talked to, I, I didn't talk to anybody. So I was always excited if a peer was like, hey, I want to hang out with you and talk to you. i will be like, oh my God, yes, please. Um, She wanted to talk about singing. <laughs> and she was like, well, how do you, you know, like, how do you get, I don't know what camera what she asked me if she was just like, well, how do you keep your voice? You know, how do you do this? And I was so excited to talk with another singer, especially such a great singer as she was like full belly passionate um she has such a great tone i i'm kind of geeky that way i guess i'm a little bit like let's talk about your tone and you're amazing and here's how you hold a note and um i i really relish that so yeah. that's the lot la- and that's the last conversation i had with her um, it's not like i had with mia mm-hmm. it's the last time i ever saw her
0: so i know i i threw another what if, what if uh question to you earlier so what if mia would still be around would she have been the the, the next big thing, or at least, you know, have a really solid I think, career?
2: I think, you know, just depending on how Mia was, I think she was a soul-hearted person, a poet. I really feel like she was a poet. And um, what the industry would have wanted to do with yeah. her would have been way more singer glossy than was her style it wouldn't it wouldn't be because she didn't have massive talent but i think she might have been strong enough to say like that seems like bs and i'm gonna go do with my music what i feel like you know what i mean if if, if it was up to the labels they yeah. would probably want to iron out the punk rocker from her because they don't know how to sell that you know what i mean like which,
0: they which would have been a, a travesty right
2: right Right. But they don't, you know, it's not the sixties. It's not like, you know, it's, yes, she sounds like Janis Joplin, but we are not in the sixties and don't lie that that's what you know how to sell anymore. Right. Like, so they would have (laughs) fed her some crap about the amazingness of her voice, which was true. She, She had an amazing, ballsy, passionate voice, but their conversation to her would have started off with lots of compliments would have been true, but truthfully, what they would have known what to do with a voice like that would have headed in some pop direction that they, that they understand. And that's the truth. So I think she would have been, um, artist enough to say, yeah, that seems like a load of shit. I'm going to move to like Port Towns and make my own records. (laughs) Sorry. I'm swearing too. Sorry. (laughs) Um,
0: we, we, we only, we, we only censor out the F words.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Good. Sorry,
3: and, I get excited. And, passionate. and Wayne
0: gets the clown car horn um, when when yeah. when when, <laughs> when he too? drops the f bomb. So um, <laughs> I, I've been pretty good. You have been pretty good yeah. in the last nice. couple episodes. I, I'm, I've been proud of you. Yeah,
1: that first, and I just want to say that gets out. That first gets album was very punk rock, and yeah. I I agree. I I I would have seen her going more Annie DeFranco, where she did her yeah. own stuff on oh, her own yeah, terms. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yes. you. Punk rock, you can either gloss it up, like we just talked about Green Day. I mm-hmm. mean, and there was they had a they had pop sensibilities that that projected them forward. Right. But punk rock, you can't really sell it. It's people have to want to buy it. When it gets famous, it's something. It's like lightning in a bottle, right. and everybody gra- you know gravitates towards it. Yeah, and yeah, I, I see her going indie rock after 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 the whole thing more more so than selling it.
2: Yeah, because those guys came from like, um. Just intelligentsia, right? All of them, you know, Steve, all of them were like really smart people who had strong ethos about things and real strong. I mean, and it would have been, uh, I don't think it would have been possible with them to try and manipulate them some way. I think they would have said like, yeah, I don't think so. And courageously walked to do something else. You're right. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need this.
0: I think all of those guys have kind of walked away from the music industry, haven't they?
2: I think so. Um, They recently got together, you know, when we were, when James was ill, we all got together and played a show, but yeah, I don't know that any of them are in bands. I know that Steve who lives in Oakland, I think, um, maybe playing some music, but playing music to just love playing music.
0: All right. Wayne, uh, anything else you want to talk about whole, or should we move on to, uh,
1: well like i say this that song kicks the door in and uh it does have mm-hmm. there is a nirvana definitely a feel in the beginning of it i can hear that and like i say yeah uh there's a broken heart in there and, <laughs> and somebody's getting a talking to and like i say there's that vocal aggression and it's funny i do want to say too that i never heard i didn't hear about hammerbox after i heard about goodness and i we're all local so we'll understand I think there was a, there were definitely in the music scene was a faction as far as there was bands that got played on KISW mm-hmm. and there was bands that got played on KNDD. And I, when they, when the end went on the air and Labor Day weekend of 91, I don't know that I listened to KSW yeah. a half a dozen times after that. I, I went that direction and goodness when it did come out was on uh, the end. And that's how I ended up finding out about Hammerbox as I was, um, listening to goodness heard something about you know a former band and i then i and i then i checked it out but listening to it it was definitely much more of something you would hear on on ksw with the rock of seattle yeah Yeah.
2: that's so interesting though i love to hear like that you started with goodness and what that might have felt like to hear goodness first and then go back to something so (laughs) rockacy.
0: yeah that was because wayne didn't go to the end fest with us Oh, so you <laughs> went to the 1st end N-Fest with me, but you did not go to the 2nd end N-Fest with me, which Hammerbox, were you guys the, the show opener or were, I think you were second, right?
2: I think we were second.
0: Yeah. Somebody we went on second. before us. Yeah. 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 So, so that's how, that's how I got to know Hammerbox and, you know, before I took off to, to go to Utah for school. I grabbed that CD and
3: yeah,
2: that's
0: so and awesome. There we are, you know, who was heavy rotation. You know, who also played that show was
2: belly. And I remember yeah. my Nils Bernstein had been long time friends with the throwing muses. And I remember before I got on stage, I was like, Nils, you got to introduce me to Tanya. Cause I was a huge throwing muses fan. Um, and, and four AD records and all of that. And so that show, I was right before going on stage, I remember saying like, you gotta
0: introduce me to Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember who else was on there. I remember Catherine Social wheel distortion. Catherine Wheel, yeah. that's right.
2: See, yeah. that's like Ride, Catherine Wheel, like uh those kind of bands were my jam big time. I love them.
0: That was a weird I remember that was a really weird lineup because that was like you had X, but then you also had they might be giants yeah. on that. It was just a trying weird to please podcast. everyone. <laughs> it really was. It was, it was great, though. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the second song. This is, am I saying this right? Head? Yeah. Is it just head? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. We
2: got into these like one word names, except for. Uh,
0: yeah, except, I, yeah. Yeah. There's quite a I few. Was, I was going to bring <laughs> yeah. that up. So, yeah. So, why? You know,
2: I'm, just, <laughs> I'm seriously going to rack that up to maybe a little laziness. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Well, they say brevity can be your friend.
2: Yeah, so. you know, Sia says a one word name song is part of her hit making process, which has nothing to do with Hammerbox, but I are hearing her say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what exactly is a head it's not spelled like you know the heads that we know so it's H-E-D yeah is that an acronym for something no <laughs> no? no okay so you really we were. were lazy you we were couldn't even lazy. spell it right it's not about yeah. sex
2: either it's not like it's not about <laughs> any of that I, I gotta say a lot of it has to do with laziness because I can't there's no like oh man that word means this this and this it, was, it has nothing nothing right, to do with that right it has nothing to do with anything I think <laughs>
0: Right, so so who ha- who's handling the co vocals on this?
2: Dave. So Dave okay. did. If there's a male vocal, that was Dave at all times.
0: Okay, yeah, he should yeah. stop that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it so so Wayne and I are definitely divided on this song. So I think I think the 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 male vocal thing works for this one, doesn't for a subsequent one, which I'll talk yeah. about. I don't want the spoiler alert here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, Wayne, why, did you, why don't you why you say I, your comment? Go ahead, I, I got things muddled, to say. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I just thought it <laughs> it muddled the the song because I will, and I know this is going to sound like pandering, but a, like like I've said, a lot of the drum work and the guitar work has a very Nirvana reminiscent kind of feel. But then when you start singing, that's the unique yeah. part of this whole thing. And I I, I guess maybe it's just me, but I didn't want I didn't want to hear anything else. what you you you? But it Cause it took my focus when he started to sing away from, cause you were still singing and, and mon- many parts of that. And it took away from that. I just yeah. I'm kissing the guest's ass. That's all. Maybe that's No, all. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Pandering. You're
2: nowhere near my butt. <laughs> um, well, you know, what's funny is like that. Um, like, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, that was an issue in the band, you know, that's, and I think this happens a lot. Like, you know, Dave has is a huge music person, right? His his family's musical, like it was his passion project. I mean, I answer now that Dave and James um put together. So really, I almost feel like Dave was the one who started that band and based on his desire to play music and he had so many thoughts in his head creatively and he's a super creative person and so, you know, he looks to form a band um and then it, it it does get hard and awkward when you're like, oh, well, you found yourself like a singer, like that people want to hear, but you still want to have like a democracy. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's still my band. I wanted to sing on my own band stuff. And we did have that conflict. But since we were a band, we were like, how do you tell when your band members like Carrie's a really great singer and they only want to hear you? You know, they only want to hear her like you just just, you know, like. Yeah. without telling the guy who literally kind of started the band, yeah, you can't sing on this, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, like we always say, give the people what they want.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just so you know, the background, like even our own struggle. So like, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Like, I think we struggled with that, but you also, we we're 23, you don't know, we're passive aggressive. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. And, you know, it's your fledgling band. And so you can see where the things, choices acquiesce right like you're like well yeah. and so this is what you get but you're it's not surprising I mean I when we would play live um sometimes Dave would sing sometimes he wouldn't and again when you're playing live and playing drums it became kind of a I think too where it's like well if you're gonna sing sing you gotta then sing it well you know which is hard to do while you're behind like you know, it would turn into that and I'm like well that no <laughs> like <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> um and I love Dave, and I hope if Dave is mad at me, for sure I've said enough critical things about Dave to like last him a lifetime. Love you, Dave. Um,
0: is he still doing music?
2: Yeah, he. I mean, he plays music. Him and his wife play music. Yeah. Okay. He. I mean, he was the guy who. I mean, he constantly had ideas, and he, you know, wrote a lot of those songs. When three is two, that's Dave. Like those aren't my lyrics. That's okay. Dave. Dave wrote those. Um. And so it's just hard. So that's where you find your conflict. You've got someone who started the band who's a massively creative, and then you put yourself this kind of singer on it. So people want to hear that. You start to have. Um, it, was, it was something we were aware of. Yeah, we just so you know we were we, conflict. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: and we and we've talked about this before because I don't remember what record we were talking about, but the guitar player who typically you know they have a lead singer who does everything, and there's uh, that jealous that that guitar player who may have wrote the music and he's, you know, he's got, he's a great guitar player in the center of everything, but he's behind yeah. this other guy and every once in a while they yeah. want to get out in front and get some of that yeah. lead vocal. I mean, love.
2: as you would, right. And in your twenties, you're not thinking, you're not thinking anything, right. You're like, dude, this is my band. Why would I not sing? And it's like, you know, but very quickly, you're, it's it's hard to go through those moments. Those are fledgling like moments of, those new yeah. experiences that are tough <laughs> like, <laughs> it's
0: really hard yeah was this song a single
2: yeah i think it was
0: there was a video or it I was watched... on the... okay yeah because the because there is a video for yeah it, right? i want
2: to say it was on a cassette though on the flip side of when three is two something like that
0: okay anyone else think that uh bush's machine head intro was lifted from song? oh my god if they had been li- I t- listening i would have been flattered <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know that's not so bad
0: <laughs> i i i totally hear it so anyways all right uh let's move on to the third song so this is another one word title no, no. see <laughs> There's tons of stops and starts and changes in this song. This oh is the yeah. this does a roller coaster ride. And that was kind of pretty much the style of a lot of the Seattle sound during that time. There's slow moments and then, you know, it's time for the guitars and me to bang the drums like John Bonham. And yeah. Um this is definitely one of those Seattle stylistic. Was that was that uh trying to mirror the Seattle sound or was that really just who you guys that's just
2: who we were i gotta say because we were pretty paranoid about um we spent a lot of time not wanting to sound like everybody else i mean it's hard when you're in the middle of it to not be influenced um but we were hypercritical about like nope that sounds like something no you know uh no like we didn't want to copy anybody and so if there's something that does sound similar i'm sure it's osmosis and it's all around us but we were very hypercritical of to ourselves of like no, no, no. That sounds too much like this. We can't do that. Um, but you've also got very distinctly five different people for writing the music. I mean, Harris and his guitar style and Dave's songwriting and and James's bass playing, that's three different creatives right there. Um, and I think that shows up. I mean, Harris was so much more like, he's one of my all-time favorite guitar players because he looks like he's just like you know, flicking at the guitar, like like nothing's happening. Like he's just floating, you know, a million things are coming out of it, but he was also the first person. I you know he's super technological too. Like yeah. not only pedals, but racks. Like I remember he was into like racks and digital stuff and having a certain sound and, um and l- the laboriousness okay. of trying to get all those sounds correct. Live was just a, a wrestle for him every time, let alone I hope the power cord works and Oh my God, the preamp went out, you know, like, so he was very creative and techie, whereas I feel like Dave and James had a lot more like grassroots songwriting going on. So, just between those two, you've got wackiness in three different ways, if that makes sense.
0: So, so, and I think you're just answering the why we only put out two albums.
2: Yeah. Well, I gotta say, like, when we started to write the second record, um, No, the third record. It was literally, I think, we started to write. James had quit. We were all just so mad. We'd been touring for a long time. And I remember the name of one of the last songs was literally called Surrounded Beaten. (laughs)
3: Whoa,
2: okay. (laughs) Yeah, like Harris literally was like, that's the words that were coming out of my mouth, Surrounded Beaten. (laughs) And I was like, if that's any indication of how things were going. (laughs) I like that song. I thought it was cool but the band quickly broke up pretty soon after that.
1: This has, this is one of the songs that has a kind of you, you ought to know ask kind of riff in it. And also it seems like I, the lyrics sound like they're about drug addiction, which was a staple of the, the Seattle yeah. music scene also. Yeah. And so it made me start thinking the word no is that's, that's like Nancy Reagan, just say no. Not
2: necessarily in our band. I got to say our band wasn't like a druggy. Our band wasn't <laughs> a druggie band. If we're beer going around than anything else. Um, but I'm a super pragmatic person, and as I watched people, like, like just I could see, I'm like, you know, I could sort of see what was gonna happen. It was more my reaction to that, like whether or not you make it, like I'm never gonna, like I'm, I'm gonna be over here, basically, like. But it just was, you know. And then you've got friends who were, I mean, at that point, I think Stephanie from Seven Year Bitch had died of an overdose. Like we just had seen people closer yeah. to us and our age die. And again, it's my pragmatic reaction to be like, what the hell, you know, like
0: I want to help you, but I don't want you to drag me down with you. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And that's the truth of the matter. Often times. I mean, I recently uh, was reading Charles Cross's book on Kurt Cobain and just at the end, like the amount of outreach within his circle and interventions like people tried, you know what I mean? Like to say, stop. And there was just no, that wasn't going to happen.
0: We just, uh, we just did an episode to commemorate 25th year of the release of Jar of Flies. So same, same concept of, you know, that, I mean, that whole album is about addiction and, and you got to think that, that they were saying, let's, let's put this on paper, but Lane you got you got some issues we we need to address this i mean mike you know had his own issues but he's doing he's obviously doing great but again
2: that band i really i'm sidetracking a little bit but he was close friends with lane and he talked a little bit about like nothing harder than literally watching your friend waste away and there's nothing you can do about it he would i mean at some point lane had like a hotel room or apartment he was just holding up in Like never going outside, and Mike visited him and he was, and Mike was sober. And so he, it's just such a horrible, helpless feeling. And so I think that song to me is very much like, uh, I'm not gonna, I can't hang around for that. Right. Things like that.
0: But how good is, how good is that Mad Season record
2: though? Oh, yeah. Just passion too, right? Just like uh, real feelings. I like it when, I mean, if any tragedy gives you, it's like, it's some real. Uh, grounded honesty and i always appreciate that some realness not just bravado or um looking cool or all that kind of stuff when you're stripped that bad like i appreciate that kind of honesty yeah, yeah. not that anyone to go through that
0: <laughs> <laughs> right all right so let's uh let's move on to the fourth song so this is blur
3: the stars, the stars were shifting deep.
0: this is uh this is one of your songs that you told me about yeah so. this
1: one this one definitely has a, a goodness vibe when it starts out and then it kind of turns back into a hammerbot song and then i mm-hmm. love i love the bass which kind of segues back into another where it sounds a little more like goodness again um i i couldn't find the lyrics online but this is one that definitely has a feel of uh, just like the theme of you ought to know where you know, why is it her? Why is it not me? And somebody's getting a rabbit in their pot on the stove.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that song actually is more, I tend to write songs that are like, it's about her, but it's about me. You know what I mean? Like if I was feeling a lot of, no one's noticing if I fall down, you know what I mean? Like uh, I was having moments of, of what, that I thought were really, um, trippy for lack of a better word, um, where I'd go play a show, everyone's there to watch you, you know, you walk in, your clothes are dry, you leave, you're just soaking wet, you know, you're the center of attention um, for that hour. And then you leave. I had an instance where a bunch of us all went out to drink and I just played a show where everyone's looking at me. Now I'm in this bar and this guy was hassling me and I couldn't get anyone's attention like to get him to stop. And he was bigger than me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, how weird is that? Like no one's going to notice if something you were all looking at me a half an hour ago and now I could get harmed and no one's looking <laughs> like no one's, you know what I mean? So, and that kind of wore on me a little bit, like that idea of, yeah, the BS of that, you know what I mean? Kind like unreality.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So this is this is if we were doing scoring on this album like we do in most of our episodes this would have gotten my second highest score.
1: Oh really? Well, oh, I I agree. This this is one of like I say the the four that I I kind of took the lead on. This is this is probably my second favorite song.
0: And I love the ending. Love the ending of this song i think you should try and sing along to this one (laughs) it's another one of those it's Um, like not even not not even gonna try i i learned my lesson trying to sing whole and i'm like nope we're not gonna sing along at all to this should you want to carve out um uh, vibrationally your whole body this is a good
2: one if you'd like to empty out
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right uh wayne any anything else on blur no,
1: I, I I got it all out of my system.
0: <laughs> all right, so uh here we go. We're going to we're going to uh track number 5. This is outside and yes, that's five songs in a row where the title of the songs were one-word titles. It. Here we go. So good. And I was looking at the titles for some of the Rockford songs too. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of one word titles there too. Were you guys lazy there as well?
2: I wonder if it's just easier to like in one word state what it is because you're either doing that or you're providing a line or a sentence. And everyone's like, oh, I can't, I can't, what sentence, like what four words makes it, you know, like what, I don't know. I think we, everybody found it just much simpler. And frankly, if you ever see like a set list, it's those that set lists are another bastardization of the names. I was just going to say it's like,
0: easier to make to, yeah, to make a set, set list. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, in goodness, a lot of, sometimes if you ever got a set list, it was the precursor names okay. to the songs. So they were called like "Run Around" was actually called "Garth Rock." So if you ever see, because Garth started, I think he was part of writing that song. And so whenever we write a set list, it's written as "Garth Rock," not "Run Around." <laughs> <laughs>
0: any hoodie um all right so this is a good i think this is a good lead up to the next song so when three is two i mean that was that was your that was your song that was on that yeah. was originally on first album as well mm-hmm. i couldn't find i couldn't find a copy of the the first album so is there any variations from the original recording of this
2: yeah it was totally re-recorded was it? um okay. yeah it was totally re-recorded um you could hear the difference in singing uh, for me um I'd have to go back to so, well in the intro I think the whole intro is different too um one of them starts like with pretty guitar and one just starts bombastically so um okay uh and we yeah we re-recorded I think everything with Beinhorn. so Left
3: only in the blur of the last night. So
0: not understand why this was not universally accepted as just that it's a kick butt rock song and yeah i, I this is one of those great unknowns for me because like i said this is this is a well, strong song this is this shit well i was going to
2: tell you so a&m records wanted to release it as the first single and we as a very young naive band were kay. like Ooh like talk about thinking small we were like no it's already been released on like the first record so we had they came out with hole first uh, but they wanted to come out with win three is two okay. and and i was like why didn't we not just let them do what they thought they knew how to do well um same thing with goodness that happened too. like where it was like we don't know what s- single to pick and i would have been like just put super wise out just do it like people seem to respond to it in the northwest i'm sure the nation somebody else will
0: so this was one of those opportunities that you missed. I mean, a- yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and again, in that scene, there was this, um, somebody and I just recently talked to, there was such a heavy feeling in the grunge scene to not care, you know, like this, yeah. this punk rock. Um, I don't really care yet. <laughs> I am signing the deal, <laughs> like, you know? Um, so I don't really want to succeed. Um But you're in the business. I was like, why would you step into the business and not, you know, go for it? But there was, we were young, you know, like in our twenties, we were very like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to go against the grain or, you know, a a lot of that
0: stuff. And and despite not A&M releasing this as a single, I mean, this got play on KNDD.
2: Oh yeah. Marco was, I mean, Marco was good too. Hammerbox and goodness. Like, thank God he was there.
0: I love Marco.
2: I mean, he's just a true I need,
0: music lover. So I need, I need to have him on this podcast. You should. Oh my gosh, we'll we'll, we'll talk offline. We'll, we'll right. make that happen. Okay. <laughs> my my brother would have a coronary. He loves Marco so. Anyways. Oh,
2: Marco would really enjoy that too. You know, he's a sweet person. We'll
0: we'll 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 chat. All right. All right offline <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh this leads us up to trip mm-hmm. this is another one of uh Wayne's songs that he wanted to talk about mm-hmm.
1: This is another one that foreshadows goodness too. A lot of a lot, uh, early, especially early in the song. None, I mean, all of them kind of in in some mm-hmm. ways show some of it, but this one, and I couldn't find mm-hmm. the lyrics and I was looking and I was, I was, or I did find the lyrics. That's what it was, is I was looking through them and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what this song is about. And then I think maybe it's about an acid trip because it's all over the place. And then I, I took another listen and another listen and I read the lyrics again. And then it, then it sounded like a trip uh-huh. as in, She's tripping, telling him like she, you know, she's had enough, and now she's letting him have it. But my only question is, um, well, because there was something about sunshine, and that's what kind of made me start thinking about. It. Everybody loves sunshine. Mm-hmm. Everybody
0: wants to feel that yeah. she wants to be loved like sunshine. Yeah,
1: and um, it's why so many people live yeah. in California yeah. and Florida because you know you want you we love the sunshine. But then her colors are black and gold. I just want to make sure she's not a Steelers fan because. <laughs> No, it's, it's
2: her, in colors. It goes in colors of black and blue. So it's about um, domestic abuse.
0: Oh, battle! You're gonna be like, oh, it says, yeah. It Says gold in the lyrics. That's what does you, it?
2: Yeah.
0: <gasps> yeah. Online, it says gold.
2: Surprise, surprise! You messed yeah. up my
0: Steelers joke. Too. So
2: sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she hates the Steelers. <laughs> well, no, that song was more about like oh, uh, like a woman like in colors of black and blue. She wants to be treated. You know she wants to be loved like sunshine like just somebody who wants to be loved and not abused or beaten and it's more of a striving song of like g- just the struggle of that you know what i mean and wanting to get get out of the bad situation um and i think trip is also one of the there's one of two songs on here i think trip yeah i think trip was on road rash the video game which was huge
1: yeah and, uh, like,
2: I still get messages from, like, people from I South think- America going, simple passing trip, like, I love road, you know, like, road rash, I love you, <laughs> like, like that. It was amazing. One video game was, that was huge for us, like, people from all over. You, if you go on YouTube, there's, like, so many road rash, like, videos with those two songs on it and how people found us. You know, it hurt us for the first time, but Trip was was one of them.
0: See, I, I didn't look at any of those because I'm like, this has nothing to do with Hammerbox, and I guess I'm wrong.
2: Oh, isn't it funny though? Just like the certain vehicles that, yeah, yeah. at a time or even now, can really, you know, introduce a band to an audience, like a huge audience,
0: of people who would yeah. wouldn't
2: otherwise hear about you. Isn't that
0: funny? Easy. I think it's funny. All right. Any anything else <laughs> on this? So so. Now that you've completely ruined this, the words. I'm so
2: sorry. She hated the Steelers. She loves Sun. She's supposed to hate the Steelers. Yeah, she's supposed to hate the Steelers. She's supposed to, and she really loves Sun, and she's high. (laughs) Possibly. Not
1: that there's anything wrong with that.
2: Good job. Nope. (laughs)
0: so so we're we're moving away momentarily from a one title uh one word title so this is attack of the slime creatures
2: this is even the worst, like, cause I, Harris came up with that name okay. and it was because we were stymied on what to call it. And he's like, let's well, just call something ridiculous. Like attack of the slime creature. Okay. And I, I totally, like, I, that is what happened. But I regret it because the song and what it's about is so much more important than that. Such a dumb name. So <laughs> like- we,
0: we couldn't find lyrics for this one. And so it's not posted online. So what is, what exactly is this song about?
2: Uh, It's about like, um, in my mind, so we would, we would, um, the band Image would open for us and Shannon, and um, they were all African American, right? Like, uh, and they were a powerhouse singer, and and I just, I love Shannon. And so I wrote this song about um, racial division. Like, and and part of it was there's so much, there's so much about like, white responsibility to go figure it out. Your, you know, like go educate yourself, like don't, you know, or, you know, don't ignore it and all that. So there's a whole line in there. It's like, I'll ask about you, you know, um, I will surrender like all around you. Um, and that's just to recognize in my mind, like to recognize her and to do due diligence, to understand like her experience and as my friend, you know, and, and someone of color in the grunge era you know like uh, she also was just on fire creative and just kind of a wild woman too like as a her as a her person and she would be at shows like we played the mercer arena and i remember shannon would often like run on stage and just dance right like i loved that or whatever but at this particular show um security did not know who she was and like Kind of went after her, and I had to literally leave the stage mid-song to like stop them, like, uh, <laughs> and get in front of her and be like, "Back off!" Like, it's, everything's okay, you know. Um, and so for me, that song is I wrote with her, her in mind, and just the idea of, um, race and issues around that. Interesting. Not that you would ever know by that no, dumb name. No. no. <laughs> It's funny
0: oh the 20s <laughs> Yes. all right so uh we go from a really long title to god mm,
2: period so another <laughs> another, another one word
0: title oh my gosh i want to go back
2: in time now now i want to just go fix everything <laughs>
0: any lyrics to to, for this to do my over analysis as well so what what is this song about
2: well i think (laughs) this is terrible i feel like i need to call dave (laughs) (laughs) my idea what the song is about was more like we were i think in my in my 20s i did not know how to express like or argue or you know express my like hurt feelings and all of that and so um and I think I'd be mad at Dave plenty of times. And so to me, I'm mad. Whereas Dave is probably thinking politically, like this is an anti-God song, like you know what I mean? Like so we call it God and all that. I'm like, nah, no, I wrote it about you. Like, <laughs> like well, there would be times in Hammerbox, like a, like on the first record, the first record, you know, everything's loud in practice, and they're all concentrating on writing music, and I would be, you know, away in a corner writing whatever not expressing my feelings to their face and then we would get in the studio where you could then clearly hear the lyrics and there was at least one time where i think all three of them like at the same time turned and looked at me like what the hell's this song about <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> i'm mad at and you and which one of us three is she talking about having a god complex uh-huh right. yeah, exactly okay. yeah. yeah i'm mad at all of you <laughs> oh, uh, awesome all right uh <laughs> i don't we'll, we're gonna just leave it at that because i i feel like we're gonna get we're we're really gonna get you in trouble with dave i love so dave we'll, we'll move just on. by
2: the way i love dave so much <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right so uh number 10 song this is simple passing Yeah, that's
2: like a friend song was it okay it's all about friends you know what i mean again it was on road rash too as well it's funny how it got picked but yeah that too was um on road rash but that's to me that song for me is about all of all of our friends like in the scene and um you know like here we are sitting around the fire like and and you know and with time radio will tell us like you know we, we were all kind of we were all getting courted we were all getting told a story we were all then kind of we we weren't th- those groups were never in competition like nobody yeah. was mad at each other i mean those they weren't those they aren't like that um but it was like this whirlwind trip where it was like well you know the radio's telling you what you're supposed to like and you know and given time i mean it's also a growth song like the, the whole lyrics are like in time you know i'm going to figure out who i am
1: yeah this is and we're all this doing is my that. favorite song. Um, It does have a goodness feel to it, but I also, I I love the lyrics um, because there's also a couple of lines that made me feel like, you know, don't just, uh, which makes complete sense with what you said was like, don't let it all pass you by. Enjoy this time. Um, Make it worthwhile. And then I love the lines where it goes, here we go again, waiting for the answers and and, until the radio can read our mind. mind." And then I thought, you know what I thought? Spotify and Pandora uh, recommendations. It's happened. Yes, exactly. Right.
0: Algorithms. Well, and you said you work for Target.com, so you probably know a thing or two about the algorithms, yes. don't you?
2: Oh, yes. Nordstrom, too. Okay. I work for them, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. It's an evil.
3: And I got
0: a very <laughs> – Wayne, I think you'll appreciate this since we're both Elvis Costello fans. I got a very radio-radio type of, type of <gasps> feel to this where it's like – you know, you better do what you're told. You better go listen to the radio. So, and I, mm-hmm. and I, and I love, I love the ending where it's like, and when you look inside, you see the reasons why. Don't you? Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I love it that you're ending with that question where it's like, okay, we just played a song. Now you go examine yourself.
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, again, like the twenties are such, such a huge evolution time for yourself as a person. So, so much questioning is going on Uh, and, and, looking at thing examinations for me at least in lyrics like out you know as we were talking about outside too outside is you know I've got my books and my simple things and the tv plays a screen like it's very some and that whole course is like someone help me you know what I mean like what's what's happening to me and what will, what's going to become of me kind of thing and simple passing is right a lot like that like given time I'm going to yeah. grow and figure out
1: yeah but yeah a real I nostalgia am. feel that I that's that I really I, I enjoy that in songs
0: So that moves us on to guess what? Another one word title. All right, here's sleep.
2: Love sleep's like one of my I don't know. It's one of my favorite songs to sing. It's got a slide to it that I like. Uh I just like singing it. I also like
0: the bridge on it. So, a lot. so without <laughs> getting myself into trouble, um, Wayne, you you start talking about this.
1: Uh, I don't think well, now you're just gonna get me in trouble first. Uh yeah, I don't know if he's using a vocal effect, but it's like my notes say. Co-vocalist drunk? Question mark. <laughs> um, there's, there's there's an effect. He doesn't like i say. I, I'm sure Dave is a wonderful person, and he's way more. T- you know, he's created music, and I love that. I love. Uh, but yeah, I I couldn't tell if if it was the vocal effect, or he had been drinking, or did he just say, you know what, Carrie, I'm going to be on this song too. I don't well, care. No, what you know what? I, now that you
2: mention story. it, seriously. Um, I can't remember if there is a vocal treatment on there, but I know, I remember even talking with Dave about like, you know, Dave's obviously not a singer by trade. And he was also a huge fan of like, it's like Husker Du or like some other bands too that had a style and he was trying- Did
0: have a little, did he have a little Grant Hart in him?
2: Maybe, but I know he yeah. was looking for his style given the fact that he knew he wasn't like, a traditional singer, you know, like Hammerbox was everyone's experiment to figure out who they were musically. I mean, for us, you know, as musicians, everyone on that journey, as you write or trying to figure out like, what do I like? What can I do? Um, and for singing, I know Dave, I mean, I know Dave knew he wasn't like a traditional singer, but he, but he had idols and people who, maybe had a certain sound and stuff that he was trying to find for himself, in all honesty, um, that was going on. Um, whether or not Beinhorn like, had him double it or put an effect on it, I can't remember. Um, but but he wasn't a traditional, yeah. He wasn't like your automatic, like, I sing well. Um, that's probably what you're hearing as well. And sleep is, other than the bridge, are all his lyrics okay. that he wrote that song. Um,
0: which, which... Which I guess would kind of explain the reason why it's like, no, I want to sing on this one
2: for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, like in Dave's mind, you know, this was his band as well. He went into it. He's also been the leader of his own bands. And so for him to go in and go, you're now going to play second fiddle or even less than that probably was like, really like, what, how's that happening? I've led all my stuff and now, you know, You know what i mean can you imagine if it's like oh you've run two companies but now because we've got this you know you're being taken out of the control seat or by the unbeknownst to you this girl who can sing really well is now knocking you out of the like (laughs) not meaning to but um that would have been hard for him to a little bit wrap his head around like and that's again 20s very 20s like going oh okay
0: well <clears throat> i'm gonna get so. myself into trouble on this so unlike head, unlike head yeah. where i thought that yeah. the male and female dynamic worked the vocals they just didn't mesh well for me so yeah. i hate to admit this but this is the one that i used to skip to get to the last song on the album oh did you yeah i because i love i love anywhere but here oh, uh, nice. great song so
2: my heart is in the bridge on sleep i just like singing the bridge a lot which i gotta write and it's more it's very bluesy you know
0: if if there is a if there's a track somewhere of you just singing it i probably, yeah i probably would really dig the song
2: you know what i I'm would sorry, say dave. Do. i'm no, sorry it's okay. Dave. Here's what i do regardless of dave here's dave, what i dave would is do. never
0: gonna be on my podcast no, no.
2: <laughs> but he has he could tell you a lot of stories. Um.
0: I bet uh, yeah. he
2: could rant about me all day if he wanted to. I'm saying this is a rip into carry <laughs> podcast. Go for it. <laughs> I, I would say that's fair. Um, I one thing I would do, and this is just not not to encourage you to like the song, but like what I remember when we were mixing it, we were in Canada and loud with bassy headphones. The sound, like I loved hearing that song loud because just the chunk of the guitar and all of that. I go yeah. back just to if you could. To relish just that because that song has stuff in it, especially with like headphones on loud or whatever. It's, uh, there's a ton of things I loved about that song. All right.
0: Well, I will go listen to it with headphones on next because I've been listening to this, uh, in my car the last uh, couple weeks getting ready for this conversation. So we'll, you look. know, what it is yeah. too.
2: I'll say it's the kick, it's the kick drum too okay. in the beginning, the okay. beat. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got some homework Just for fun. Do. I got some homework to do then. All right. If
2: you want to. You don't have to. <laughs>
0: it's follow-up. All good. All right. So uh, last but not least, here is Anywhere But Here.
2: Anywhere
3: but here.
0: Uh, the title was almost the title of one of my favorite replacement songs that, you, you know, Anywhere oh, yeah. is Better Than Here. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know of it. Yeah. So is this song about Seattle, Tacoma, Kennewick? what? what oh, what's yeah. The, what... Seattle probably more is than it? anything else. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, it's such, again, I keep saying the 20s over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's such an um, angst-ridden time. And a lot was happening. Yeah, I
0: think we all deserve some passes for what we did in our twenties, right? Okay. Yes. Please. Please. <laughs> please. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and yeah. there's so much like the core, like the like the verses on those too. Like the lyrics are like, I'll sit but I'll sit by a while and it's so much angst at people too. Like just yeah. my frustration. Again, I gotta say, like I wasn't raised to argue like, so my communication skills were so nil in terms of if I was ever angry, like I didn't voice my anger. I did in the songs big time. You know what I mean? That like, that was my vehicle. But if I had a conflict with someone, I would more than likely be dead silent. Like I just was too afraid to open that verbal can of worms. Um, but, um, all the things you say you'll give. And it's, it's so snidey. It's so like, I'll sit by while and I'll wonder deep inside and, you know, I will believe all the things you say you'll give. It's so, so it's, so it's very snide. It's very like you, you and your BS, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Um it's got a lot of snare to it.
0: It's got a lot of our twenties in it. That's, that's how I, yeah. that's how I, I view it. And I always thought that this was the perfect song to finish off the album because I'm like, it left me wanting more. So uh, that's and that's what I think most musicians want. They want to end the album where you're like, now you're going to buy our next record, right? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, Harris and I have always talked to, not that it would happen, but um, like regret around not you know, the breakup of the band and what could have happened and had yeah. we just been a little more mature and stronger individually to say, oh for crop's sake, let's get it together and make a record. Stop right. crying, you know, or whatever. Um <clears throat> but that's kind of yeah, a moot yeah. point.
1: <laughs> that's all the yeah, the twenties are a double-edged sword. Oh. I mean, there's all that young passion and anger and angst that that drives what you do and what, and the things that you create. And then you, I mean, just like the, the phrase, uh, youth, it's just so wasted on the young. It's- oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> um, so I'm married to somebody who's younger than me and I, anytime he will complain about like when he was in his thirties, he's, my husband's 12 years younger than me but he's an old man. So don't get all crazy. Like he's an old man on the inside because he would be in his thirties going, Oh, like, I'm so tired. I'm like, Oh dude, like, or, you know, maybe 32 and complaining. And I'm like, Oh, I could run circles around you if I could go back to 32 and like, you know, like with all that I know and like what I'm capable of. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of laugh about that. We also like to do things like when you were Nine. I was in a van with Hammerbox. <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't appreciate that sometimes.
0: <laughs> no, I bet, I bet not. I bet not. All right, uh, Wayne. Any any last thoughts on on this record?
1: Like I say, I I appreciate the chance to listen to it because, like I say, I I love goodness. I was I got caught even as much as I would listen to Hammerbox this week. Getting ready, I'd always find myself. Clicking over to YouTube videos, I like I say, I watched that "Pain in the Grass" set. Um, I watched, you know, the, the I probably watched five or six uh, versions of Superwise all through the all through time the the record the recorded version, and then like at yeah. Numos and the Crocodile.
2: I think we should do a goodness podcast. Why don't we pick? We I'll be glad to come back and talk about goodness with
1: you if you oh. want. Uh, yeah, I would love any that. any day. Like I say, Work. We're, we're I, I had forgotten yeah, about Superwise. On. i I hadn't listened to it recently, but that, that is uh, this is my chance to say thank you to somebody for writing probably one of my favorite songs.
2: Oh thank you. thank you. That means a lot. Thank you for saying that.
0: Well one one three is two that's uh, that's one of my faves from 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 that era. So thank you as well. You're welcome Appreciate that. No, that's really nice yeah. of you guys. So so did we did we talk enough about Hammerbox? Did, did, did we did we get it all from numb you tell
2: me there's plenty of stories <laughs> there's plenty of stories
0: people <laughs> let's uh let's let's save a few of them then for for the goodness episode we'll we'll uh we'll have to reconnect on on that on, on i love it that with you that'd be great yeah anytime uh so wayne what are we revisiting for next week
1: finally we're gonna discuss the 25th anniversary of green day's Dookie. haven't we been saying that for like Two months. We've been saying that for a long time, but I know it's gonna happen. I feel I feel good it's gonna happen. Why
0: why do you feel like it's gonna happen?
1: Because it's in the can. The
0: thing is recorded. We we already recorded the episode. (laughs) And I guess maybe maybe one of these days I'll get around to editing it. Oh, just so you know, Wayne. So today my my son, my my oldest son, has been helping me with um editing sound clips. He finally got done with all of the sound clips. And he said there's a real there's a lot of songs on this album on dookie 13. <laughs> uh, there's 15 oh that's right we forgot about yeah, the yeah 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 you forgot about the the awful Tra- hidden track. Trey cool's hidden track oh my gosh um all right so so we'll, we'll 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 get to it we'll we'll be releasing that soon enough so um all right so i will say that march is going to be cameron crowe soundtrack month i'm excited for those episodes um carrie one of those soundtracks is going to be the single soundtrack did you feel that cam and crow left out the female voices from the seattle scene in singles oh
2: yeah i think i think females got left out quite yeah. a bit but you know what he's a music lover i'm sure if he had stopped he'd be like oh crap he himself would probably be like oh crap!" well he did have a nancy
0: <laughs> wilson song on the Say anything soundtrack so i guess there there's that there's so there's yeah. that
2: And there is, um, Matt Dillon does wear a Hammerbox shirt. Oh, he does?
0: Which one? Nice. Yes. I never
2: got that. It's the one that says Hammerbox, and there's red and yellow swirlies, the the rays coming off of it. It's in their band poster or something. Oh, my gosh.
0: Now I got to go look at that. Go find it. That's awesome. I had no idea. So that's great. Yes. Secret
2: secret treasure find go find it
0: easter egg (laughs) all right well this 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 (laughs) has been a lot of fun just so you know you guys can go out to spotify and listen to numb that is out there there are some goodness albums out there as well as some of carrie's solo stuff um so how can people find out what's happening with you carrie especially with your podcast
2: Uh, Well, if you want to go listen to the podcast, it's uh, betweenpodcast.com. It's on iTunes and all the channels if you want to listen to that. It's fun interviews with other musicians and folks. And then I also have a site, karaokecreative.com, to find the podcast. And I do a blog and um, I do coaching stuff. I do music mentorship. Excellent. Plus other things. Um, Or you can also find me on Facebook. All right the old fb
0: yeah so i've listened mm-hmm. i've listened to the ken Stringfellow fellow episode naturally because you know i'm a posie's nerd yeah. i'm Posey's nerd um i still need to listen to the john roderick one i'm sure that's really good so
2: uh, I... there's so much it's it was really fun to talk to both of them yeah, too yeah. like just having known because john says some things about one a about me that I later had to write him a note, like I didn't okay. realize. Right. So you go well, listen.
0: It's downloaded. I just haven't, yeah. haven't been able to queue it up yet. So right on. All right.
1: Thanks, you guys. I have some, one more question. Uh, since we talked about Tacoma earlier and the Posey show, had you ever been? Had you ever been to Fawcett Hall at Alma Mater before that? Oh <gasps>
2: yeah, because
1: that was my first time going there. That is a nice venue.
2: Yes, it was my first time being in the hall or playing it at all. Um, I previously have been talking to those guys about running like music workshops. So you never know. They, I think they're trying to do a lot of things there. Um, and at some point like serving the community in terms of if it's kids or whomever with classes or recording stuff, they may have some things in the work. So, but no, I hadn't been in that room and yeah, it's deluxe.
0: So I do have one last question since he threw in one yeah. last question. So I'm lifting. So he's always got to outdo me. Yes. Sure. Well, absolutely. I do. <laughs>
3: so it's your fault so uh so this is
0: this is a question that i lifted from a fellow podcaster here in orlando he does the scotch and good conversation Mm -hmm. podcast so who do you know that i don't Mm -hmm. know who would want to join us on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records
2: john roderick
0: i'd love john roderick he's podcast king he would totally do it okay all right well, let's we'll we'll chat offline. OK, so you 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 have to hook us up with John and, and Marco. That's not so a problem. Well, all right. We'll be in touch. Absolutely. Yeah, I
2: got I still want to talk about Tacoma sometime, too. So we'll do that. Oh,
0: offline.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Carrie. This was really uh, was good meeting you. You, too. All
0: right. So we need to we need to wrap it up here. Here we go. Now, Carrie, you have to help us with the we are out. Okay. So you have to say out. when okay. we do. All right. Ready? Here we go thanks for listening please go support the arts go to a live show buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record visit a record store and not just on record store day we are records revisited and we are out. Out.